Some call it insight, others call it vision. At Pershing, we call it perspective. A perspective you'll benefit from, from a custodian you can rely on. One who can help navigate the big picture and whose products give you a competitive edge. One who considers everything, what will help you succeed today and tomorrow. Open yourself to a new perspective and open the possibilities. Consider everything. BNY Mellon Pershing. Learn more at pershing.com slash RIA. Pershing Advisor Solutions, LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. Welcome back to episode 10 of Your Fitness Business and COVID-19, a podcast from Virtual Gym. This week, the guys are rejoined by Al Wilson, owner of Rip City Fitness, and Chris Stevenson, owner of Stevenson Consulting. The guys share lots of great information about the reopening of gyms and studios across America and give some useful advice on what kind of content can help maintain engagement with your clients during this time. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for, for taking the time uh, to join us today. I want to uh, give a special thank you as well before we start off to both Al and Chris, who are, who are here today and joining us as uh, expert panelists. And so um, before we get started, just want to go ahead and, and just let everybody know that this webinar is going to be pretty much for everybody. So if uh, it doesn't matter you know, if your business is a studio, a gym, a Y, uh, an athletic club. There's going to be there's going to be some good nuggets of information here for everybody, and so just wanted to go ahead and uh, kick it off with uh, with that piece. Uh, going forward, uh, also going to be sharing this in a couple of different areas, so you'll be able to have access to this uh, via YouTube. So we'll send out the link to the to the video afterwards, and additionally, uh, we also have a uh, a channel on Spotify that we will go ahead and put in the chat as well, where you can go ahead and have access to this video, uh, well, this audio, and also the audios of the other other ones that we've done in the past. So yeah, without uh, further ado, let's jump in and turn it over to the reason you guys are all here. Uh, introductions to our, our expert panelists. So um, yeah, maybe on the, on the screen here, if you guys can see the speakers, we can just go from left to right. So um, yeah, Al, if you wouldn't mind kicking us off. Definitely. Uh, my name is Al Wilson. I'm the owner of Rip City Fitness. Um, started as a single man, personal trainer, uh, actually in corporate for probably way too long. <laughs> um, and it's funny, when I first got started with Virtual Gym, Kaylin was the first person I spoke with. So um, at this point, we're in the process of opening. <laughs> yeah, well, I know. Look where we are now. <laughs> so uh, Rip City Fitness is located in Twinsburg, Ohio. That's right, Ohio. Uh, I'm looking forward to speaking with you guys and talking to you more about uh, how to grow your business and thrive you know, during these times. Great. Uh, Chris Stevenson, I'm the owner of Stevenson Consulting. Uh, uh, I live in Los Angeles, but originally from Ohio. So you've got uh, two good Midwestern guys on this call uh, and maybe even more. I don't know if these other guys are good or not. Uh, no, but I've been in the industry over 25 years in every capacity from personal training, group exercise, uh, own and operate studios, and then as a consultant, the opportunity to work with a bunch of different studios. So uh, hopefully uh, with all that information, we can add uh, some valuable information for you today. Yeah, so I'm Derek. I'm the director of corporate health and wellness at Virtue Gym. So uh, a lot of the partners I would be working with specifically would be our corporate partners, uh, as well as our, our partners who work with managing corporate fitness centers. But today, I'll be kind of taking a bit of a, a back roll, but I want to make sure that I'm looking at all your guys' chats and questions and making sure that I'm able to, to bring them up to Al, Chris, and potentially Kaylin as well. 
Awesome. And hey, everybody, my name is Caitlin Pino. I'm the head of the US market here for Virtua Gym. And so for today, what I'll be doing is I am in the position of a glorified slide clicker. So I'll be going through and making sure that I set the floor for our two awesome expert panelists that we, we have today and uh, helping them share their story with you guys. So before, um, before we jump into it, a little bit of housekeeping things. So there's a couple different ways that you're gonna be able to interact with, uh, with us as we go throughout the presentation. So one of which is gonna be through uh, some polls that we'll be sending out. We're gonna send one out really quickly here. So it'll be a question up, uh, piece that we'll send out to everybody and then go ahead and just, uh, it'll collect all of the data so that we can incorporate it into the conversation. Additionally, uh, there's a Q&A section. So if you want us to, uh, if you want to direct a question to the panelists as they're telling uh, telling their story and sharing some some tips and tricks, go ahead and put those questions in as as they're coming up in the Q and A section, and we'll be able to work them into the the presentation so that this way they they can get to them. The other way that you're going to be able to interact with us, which I saw a couple people already did, is through the chat section. So this one here is great to just use in order to interact with everybody. So we're going to have another piece where we're going to have uh, a spot where everybody can share a little bit of information uh, by typing in the chat section. I'm sure a lot of you guys have been on a, on a bunch of webinars these days, so you guys are pros now at this point and, and know how to navigate through Zoom, but just wanted to make sure that I uh, hit that piece really quickly for anybody who hasn't. So without further ado, uh, our agenda for today is going to be to uh, hit these items here. I won't go through and read them uh, all. But essentially, you know, we got a we got a nice program for you guys here, where we're going to be sharing the exp experiences of uh, our two expert panelists uh, today, and then opening it up to a, a panel discussion on the items that you see at the bottom. So, without further ado, um, the first poll that we sent out was obviously about uh, the U.S. reopening, some states reopening, uh, others not. I I'm curious, Derek, uh, based off of the poll results so far, um, what's the what's the result looking like in terms of the spread between uh, you know everybody who's on today between open and close? Yeah, so just I see that people are still filling out and some people are still jumping in as well. It's about 90% they're still closed at the moment and about 10% that are reopening. I think if we kind of look at the chat, we kind of understand why it looks like a lot of people are talking to us from potentially California, New York, uh, which mm -hmm. of course, according to this graph are some of the more uh, impacted areas still at the moment. So they're remaining closed, but yeah, it's fluctuating between a couple percentage points, but basically about a 90% a closed 10% reopen uh, breakdown. All right. Interesting. And then I, uh, I understand, uh, Ohio is is getting uh, is starting to reopen now soon. Some gyms have already reopened. Uh, from from what I uh, from what I, I heard, uh, Al on on that piece, what are what are you seeing there on uh, happening within the community? Gyms open within your area? Yes, yeah, some have reopened. Uh, it's Ohio was a little bit different. They uh, we had about seventeen gym owners actually sue the state, uh, and they filed an injunction and a judge actually approved that so some gyms opened toward the latter of last week and some are just officially opening today so gyms are open in ohio oh wow and are you um what are you kind of seeing you know within within the uh, community then as far as the uh the response from 
from the members uh, in that? Are they are they flocking back in droves, or has it been more of like a held back response? It's really been a mixture. Some of the other fitness owners I've talked to, uh, for example, those who opened up a little bit early, smaller gyms are seeing their people come back because they maintain a relationship with them. Some of the larger gyms, it's a little bit different because the larger your membership group is, sometimes it's tougher to maintain that relationship with them and keep them engaged, you know, especially over the last few months. So I've seen a mix. Some people are saying they're gonna take their time. Actually, one of my trainers posted a poll on Instagram you know, in a joking way, like, all right, if gyms were open tomorrow, would you be right in there or would you give it some time? And surprisingly, about 54% of the respondents said that they would actually give it some time. So it's a, it's a mix. Interesting. And Chris, I know, I, I know uh, you were saying that you guys are, are monitoring opening across the, uh, across the, the, the states with URSA. Can you tell us a little bit more what you guys are seeing at the national? Yeah, I mean, so it just varies. And that's kind of the unfortunate thing for the industry, right? It'd be nice if we could all be on the same page and, and focus on the health benefits of exercise and how important exercise is for immunity, and then work together to show legislation, you know, whether it's county, state or federal, that we can do this safe, right? And, and I think a lot of clubs can, I mean, obviously, like any businesses, you'll have some that are that are not doing things well, but as a most part, you know, people that are on this webinar that are into consistently learning uh, are willing to do things right. So I wish we saw more unity. Um, and just like California, for example, uh, gyms I believe are in phase three. So uh, they're, they're not really opening yet anywhere. And you know, you see a couple of rogue gyms that, that open mm -hmm. against the legislation. Um, California actually put together a regional group who, uh, is, is putting together guidelines to show the state, look, here's what we're going to do with all our clubs to show everybody that it's safe. But, uh, you know, it's just, it really just varies. All, it's all over the place. Um, you know, in California now it's County to County. So I live right on the border of LA County and Ventura County and Ventura County allowed restaurants with social distancing to open retail stores to even in malls to do curbside. So they've opened some things up and literally right across the border in LA County, nothing yet. So then you see the County line battle saying, but they're right across the street. Why can't we do that? And so it's, it's a little bit of a mess and it's just, um, you know, you really need to pay attention to state guidelines and then uh, your county guidelines. Uh, and just, I, I recommend following, following those protocols, but it's all over the place. And then uh, like Al said, with coming back, um, I totally agree with Al. I think the gyms that create the best experience that build the best relationships with their members already have a high level of trust. So members are gonna trust you and come back quicker that I think some of your facilities that don't invest in creating a great experience and building relationships where people will be more hesitant. But uh, some of the clubs that I've talked to through consulting and through URSA, uh, they're seeing, you know, when they first open, uh, a lot of them see around 30%. And then they see that number slowly ticking up, some a little faster than others. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, def I definitely want to jump into that. And while we're, while we're having that com conversation, here's the part where we really want to leverage that chat section uh, a little bit more so we can get some results from some of those, those people who have responded, those 10 percenters uh, within the, the group today who have said that their gyms have reopened. So for, for the other 90% of us who, who haven't reopened, I think that this is gonna be a great info share and also between the people who have opened as well. So in the chat, uh, go ahead and if you wouldn't mind, share these three bits of information. Uh, number one, what's the biggest surprise that you had when you reopened uh, the, the doors? Number two, uh, what to avoid? when reopening. Uh, so any t tips so that this way we can avoid some, some landmines when we're going through and reopening. 
And then the last one, what would be your tip for somebody who, uh, who hasn't uh, reopened yet? So yeah, go ahead and uh, put those in, in the chat if you guys are comfortable uh, doing that. Uh, make sure to put those in underneath uh, panelists and, and all as well on, on that one. Yeah, so, so while we're waiting for those, uh, those, those chats in order to, to come through, um, yeah, yeah feel, feel free, Chris, and, and continue to el elaborate. Um, so, so in a very optimistic way, and, and this is what I've heard from several operators who are doing things well, who took the time to, you know, properly disinfect while they were closed to communicate new cleaning protocols to, and communicate with their members the whole time. They said, it's not as bad as you think it's going to be. So I think that's good for the, the people on the, on the webinar to hear, because I think in an era where the pandemic has made things so unpredictable and there's so much unknown, I've heard a bunch of operators say, you know what? We, we prepared and we were ready, but it's not as bad as you think it is. And the people that you get back first are the people that really want to come back, right? That 30%, um, they just really want to be there. So that's who you're dealing with initially. So while you still need mm -hmm. to prepare and put protocols in and train your staff and communicate with your members, I think be optimistic and be excited as opposed to afraid because the feedback I'm getting from operators so far is, is it's not as bad as, as you think it's going to be. And even some of the gyms in Ohio that have opened up, similar stories they were excited to actually have people back in the gym they talked about through social media and reaching out to their members individually and sending out messages you know this is what we're going to do this is the protocol this is what to expect but more importantly they just generated excitement to get those people back who were like man i just miss being in the gym so when that was done you know they have people come back with enthusiasm one of the one of the questions that ended up coming through as well. This one came from uh, Forza Fitness, so she's she's asking about uh, liability agreements for for clients to sign, uh, and specifically asking for for a sample. Have you, uh, L, have you uh, uh, looked into creating a liability agreement for your members and clients for when they're coming back, and and how did you kind of go through that process if you did? Nothing specific to coming back our liability insurance and everything else we have, everything stayed the same. We didn't have to change anything. We kept everything the same. Okay. And I, I've heard people, some are choosing to, this is a good time to implement new liability waivers because you know, you're re-engaging with members. So even if there's things that needed updated independent of COVID, it could be a good time to do that. But the best recommendation is check with your insurance company and just make sure that your waivers are up to all the criteria that they need to be. And if not, use this as a great excuse and time to you know, re-engage re with members and do that. And maybe you don't need to, like Al said, his, his are great. So you don't need, he doesn't need to do anything. So just talk to your insurance mm -hmm. carrier and, and make sure it's right. We just renewed our insurance. So that's actually what we did is we had a conversation because it was up for renewal and it was right before COVID. Well, actually before we closed, you know, in early March. So it gave me the opportunity to say, hey, how are we covered? What do we need? So we really didn't have to change anything as far as the waivers. And then, and then the other thing you mentioned, Chris, is uh, you you were mentioning that you know from the facilities that you're you're seeing uh, reopen, they're getting about thirty percent of the people in order in order to to come back. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that you know I've I've heard you know and have seen in in past uh, webinars is you know operators who have mentioned things about being concerned that yeah why. Um, should I should I even reopen knowing that this would be the, be the case because then I'm operating at a smaller margin? That's what they were saying. The the example that I think the exact quote that they put in there was 
I'm reopening and getting a margin of small small group training, um, but at the uh, at uh, at getting a margin. No, I'm sorry. Let me change that again because then re refresh it. So because I'm getting a margin that I'm getting from from uh, large group classes, but with the amount of people who are in small group training sizes. Well, I think it's ultimately a brand and a business decision. So you have to, you know, you have to, you have to run the numbers and say, you know, like I, there was a great article on restaurants. Uh, I think it was in Dallas when they were first allowed to open at 25% capacity and they interviewed a lot of restaurant owners and they said, it's just not worth it. It costs us more to operate when we can only have 25% of the normal people coming in. So I think you need to look at your facility the same way uh, and just say, okay, what does it cost me to operate and versus the revenue that I'm going to get from these people coming in. But you have to think long-term as well. If you stay closed for too long, people will look for other options that are open. And if that new option creates a great experience and they feel comfortable, people get into the pattern and habit of going there. And then those habits are hard to change. I sometimes, even if you're at a gym that you don't love, the habit's there. It's convenient. Um, you know, I was working out at a club where uh, anybody you talked to didn't like it. You know, they were like, oh, it's dirty and no one's friendly. I'm like, why do you come here? Well, it's close. It's convenient. So you, you do got to consider that as well. Is it worth, you know, not having the margins that you need or want immediately just to get open and start to rebuild the trust. And so that's just something you really have to look into your financial strategy and, 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 and spend some time on that and, and be diligent about it. And I think one of the things we'll probably tap into a little bit more later on in the conversation is, you know, what are you doing with that 30%? You know, how are you engaging those members to turn 30 into 40 and, and so on? And then what happens with the 70? How are you reaching out to them? Are you getting their opinions? Are you finding out why they're not coming back? What do they need to be more comfortable? So it's engaging these members down to the single member, or I don't know if they separated into groups. We did some things a little bit differently to stay in touch with people. So mm -hmm. what is your strategy for your 30? And then what is your strategy for your seven? And it's different for every gym. Uh, go into another, another piece uh, of the presentation, which is uh, essentially what you guys are looking at here is, is a member journey. And so uh, obviously this is something that we're all familiar with. We create the, the different cycles within our facility of 30, 60, 90 day touch points for our members. And you know, the, the benefits of this are, are basically what is the relationship for your member going to be like with your brand? And how is that going to drive the, the important things like the relationship with ultimately drive numbers like uh, retention. Um, and one of the, one of the things that I think is, really interesting, uh, especially as a, as a returning uh, panelist, Al, is that, you know, once COVID-19 hit, uh, we didn't have a, a, any of the touch points that we were able to rely on in person. And, and you made the decision, uh, and quite quickly, to pivot and, and go completely digital. Um, so, um, yeah, for, if, if it would be okay, would love to have you share that, that part of the, the story with our panelists here today, because a lot of people are, are trying to do that, not just you know in order to get through these closures, but even beyond. Okay. The one thing about these last few months is given us an opportunity to really just change our perspective. And instead of looking at what we can no longer do with our members, what can we do to service them? What can we do to allow them to get results with what we have? What else can we offer? So long story short, this approach really started with my cousin who lives in Vegas. <laughs> she knew that I was a trainer. She's like, Al, I want you to help me. I see you helping all these people. I need help. 
So we started doing online personal training. I started designing programs for her and her husband. Nutrition, I use the app. So let's talk about some of the specifics. You have a lot of things that you can offer your customers that have a ton of value, right? There's on the, the basics, online personal training. You have online group training, right? You have exercise program design. You have small group workouts. And being able to see in their home gives you an advantage, not a disadvantage. Uh, but here's what I mean. When someone comes to the gym to train or work out, they're the only person you see. The only person you see, right? So we talked about the 30%. And this is something I do because I've been training people online for the past few years. The question I asked them during their fitness assessment is, who is going to support you through your journey? Right? It does two things. Number one, it gives them someone else to hold them accountable. The other part of that, too, is it gives you a referral. It gives you someone else to tap into later on. If mom's working out at home, and this just happened to me last week, I've trained a wife for a while. Her husband sees her working out in the basement and now with me by video. Guess what he wants to do? He wants to work out, too, right? Mm -hmm. Now the daughter wants to work out. So it's an easier transition for you to talk about the other people that are going to support them through their journey, right? So in the future, there's so many different options. Before we were stuck in our ways, it was in-person personal training. It was in-person group training. You just eliminated one of the biggest, I don't want to say excuses, but objections that we have, which is time. If someone is telling you, you know what, I can't train on Mondays at 6 p.m. because I leave work at 5, traffic is crazy. By the time I get home, I can't make it here by 6 p.m. Guess what happens now? They can get home, change clothes, log in, and train with you at 6 p.m. on Monday. Now, Wednesday and Friday, they come to the gym. So now you've picked up an extra day of training or an extra day of them being in a group workout that you would have previously missed. So changing your perspective to figure out how can you make it work for them to give them the best results. And it could be a combination of any of those services. You could do personal training two days a week, design a program for them to do the other days of the week. They can jump in on one of your online group classes on a Saturday morning. So that's always been my approach is to find something that works. And I, I'm, I'm going to say this because if you give me my close rate for fitness assessments, historically it's 75%. If you give me 10 people, I have seven clients. That just don't mean that it's personal training. It starts with personal training. It's a different level of personal training. It may be hours and it might go to 30 minutes, so many days per week. It might be a combination of personal training and group. That might stagger down to group and personal you know, program design but there's always an opportunity to meet their needs and their budget. And we're in this business to help people and make money at the same time. So be flexible. I think Allison posted something earlier about not being so rigid, be flexible with your offerings. And that's the way you engage your 30%. Get everyone a fitness mm -hmm. assessment. They haven't seen you in two months. Where are they at now compared to where they were two, two weeks ago? Offer it as a courtesy, 
offer everyone and here's 30%. You're gonna be busy, but it's worth it. If you close a certain percentage of those, where are you in a month from now or next week? You're offering them a service to help them get back on track, get them engaged. During the assessment, who's gonna help you? Who's gonna be your support person? Tell somebody about your journey. Matter of fact, who are you gonna tell? Referral, referral. That's how you generate from your current members. And it's just a conversation about what's gonna work out best for them. You know, that's been the strategy so far. Yeah. And and I remember when we first when we first spoke, I mean, this was one one week in basically to the closures across the across the states. And, you know, you, you shared a lot of your ambition of what you wanted to, to do by moving completely into digital um, and your your thoughts and rationale behind how you were going to change the, the strategy a bit. How have your how have your thoughts changed uh, between when you were first going uh, when you were first preparing versus now that we're we're in uh, in a much further long stage. You still thinking about it the same way? Uh, actually, I'm thinking about it totally different. Uh, in the beginning, it was so much uncertainty. It was, you know, it would be nice if we could do this. And I have to say, Virtual Gym has done a really great job of giving us the tools and the resources to make this change. Um, I've been using the app for over three years. Like I said, Kaylin introduced me to it. I can't even tell you how I found out about it, but using the app for program design, it was an easier transition to take people who were already in the app. And honestly, not all of our members used it. Not even all my personal training clients used it because they had me. Like It was tough to get them to sign in for a class. But now that you say, all right, log on to the website, the schedule's on the website, click the class, select the link and join us online. Now they have to do it. They have to register. They have to sign in. So it's worked to my benefit to have them almost be forced to use technology. Now they have to get into the mobile app to train. They have to get into the mobile app to join a class. There's no other option. And that's the way you present it to them. So it went from this uncertainty of how to really using the tools, creating tutorials, making sure information is on the website, um, posting stuff in the community page about how easy it is to click and join. And during those workouts, bring someone with you next week. Think about it. If their brother lives in New York, they're not coming to Twinsburg to train with me every day. Right? But they probably talk to their brother about this great workout class that they do with, you know, one of your trainers. So now you have an opportunity to say, if your brother wants to work out, he can log on. This is how he can do it. He's got questions, have him call me. So now your referral mm -hmm. business goes way beyond your geographical location. And that is the one thing that I'm super excited about. It's not to help their, super, their sister in Columbus, you know, and so on. There's no limits to how many people you can help. Yeah. That's the perspective that's changed. For sure. And and with, uh, with you know, offering the service, is this something that, you know, once doors reopen, you're going to continue to to offer? Absolutely, absolutely. A, a year ago, January, and I told Caitlin this story, um, I had, I wanted to offer kind of online services and give people the opportunity to get the most out of the app and what we had to offer. But I've had some of my current customers who are doing personal training say, Al, will you still have this available when the gym reopens? 
And the answer is absolutely, right? Because why wouldn't I allow them to log in and train with me or another trainer or tap into a group workout that's live in, in the gym? It gives you the opportunity to create a different experience and to have that person really be an ambassador for what you do. So we're going to keep it going. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for sharing. And, and I think one of the big things that, you know, that we've been talking about is, you know, the importance of engaging with that 30, that, that, uh, your, your strong member base, making sure that we're able to communicate with them. One of the, one of the things that, you know, I've seen is kind of this, uh, this, this debate, uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to call it a debate, but just two different perspectives, you know, as I've been talking to different, uh, different operators. One is I have a, a group of people who are saying, oh my God, it's so easy right now in order to make sales and, and marketing is cheap. And so you have that, that side who are, who are growing their, their business during this time. But then you also have another group of, of people who are talking about they're they're focusing on their members first and wanting to make sure that they're engaging with them and th that piece makes sense i mean at the end of the day the entire member funnel is designed in order to help with retention not giving them an excuse to 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 cancel their their membership and you know during uh during normal times i mean it's 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 something that's effective and 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 profitable as well for the business. One of the stats that we always, you know, talk about with, with people who are working with us is that if you're able to make sure that you're creating a rich and engaging experience for your members and you're doing it well, it's going to make sure that you're retaining more. And uh, based off of the data that we've seen, uh, uh, we've seen that it's five times more expensive to sell a member versus uh, retaining, uh, retaining a member as well. And I think this kind of goes back to just uh, service levels, touch points, and that in general. Um, Chris, question for you as far as, you know, uh, kind of looking at the, the, the market overall and, and customer experiences, especially during this time. Um, yeah, how, how, has, how has the circumstances in, in this moment affected, you know, what, what you're advising to your clients and that as far as how to engage with our members and the importance of that, that during this time? So I've always been a big believer in heavy levels of engagement and diversifying that engagement. So you're, you are emailing, you're, you're, you've got the time to make phone calls, um, you know, mm -hmm. using video platforms and just communicating really frequently. Uh, I don't, I, and I've heard from different clubs that are like, we are marketing like crazy right now. And then I've heard other super successful clubs that said, we feel like it's insensitive to market right now. So I think, you know, ultimately again, it's a brand decision, but what I would caution you on is just be very cautious with your messaging. First of all, I've gotten emails, you know, I subscribe to every club marketing funnel just because that's what I do for a living. And uh, I remember getting a, an ad to join while they're closed. And it just straight up was a typical ad that said, join now, enrollment first and last, but no dues till we're open. And I was like, well, that, that's almost like an offensive ad to me. So why wouldn't I just join once you can actually provide something for me? So you got to be careful with that. I had another one. It was great. Um, I had visited a club and I got a, an email and it was from general manager 249. Again, in an era where people are insecure and, and you're trying to build trust, I'm like, okay, I feel real comfortable with you, General Manager 249. So just be really careful with your messaging. And, um, you know, kind of what I was saying, you know, if you're providing a really good level of service, there's nothing wrong with it. Just be sensitive about the way you're, you're going with your ask. The other thing is marketing is not just traditional sales marketing, it's content. So this is a great time to put out freebie workouts and great content that really engages mm -hmm. people to build that level of trust 
that way, you know, you, you hit them with good content, good content, you're building trust, building rapport, building relationships. Then you go and ask when you're ready. Right now, your doors are about to open and you're saying, we're so excited to reopen. We've done all this great stuff to the club while we were closed. We've got these new great protocols. We want to get you in here. We want to create an environment where you feel comfortable to come back day one. Here it is. We want you back and here's our offer. So that's sort of my overarching advice on that. Um, just be really sensitive about your messaging. Don't, don't do the typical hard sell. Build trust, give content, give valuable information. And then when the time is right, that, then, then you go in for the ask and, and you've built that trust. Uh, I also do want to say, Al, I love what you said when you started, um, when you were speaking before, where you said, I just don't focus on what I can't do. I focus what I can do. And I think that's incredible advice in every aspect of what we're going through right now. It's very easy to get wrapped up and say, oh my gosh, I can't be open or I can't do this or I can't do that. As opposed to, you know what? Yeah, you can't. So why focus your time and energy and, and make yourself crazy and just say, but here's what I can do. And that led Al into a really good uh, you know, online training protocol. There's another company uh, in the UK that we we're talking with and um, they do outdoor fitness, which uh, I think is going to be a massive opportunity. And they never said, even though they couldn't do the outdoor fitness anymore because all the public parks have closed, they never said we're closing. They just said, hey, classes will go on regularly scheduled. They'll just be virtual. And that was their message was same stuff. Just, you know, instead of a park, now it's going to be virtual. And I believe they kept like 80 to 90% of all their revenue through this whole process. So, oh, wow. Yeah, I think, you know, messaging is important and, and transparency, clarity, honesty, and, and continue to build trust through your marketing. Awesome. Yeah, and, and um, I've had a chance in order to, uh, to talk to you before this and, and hear your, you know, your, your story. Um, but if it would be all right, I, and I, I, got, I got a couple of photos from you as well, you know, that I can go ahead and, and show as well of, uh, of the journey that you had as well. Um, do you mind kind of talking people through kind of your your, your journey of like where, uh, your facility. And then also you're thinking about getting, getting in the, in the game again as well. Yeah. Right. And, and looking at new, another concept. Yeah. Unfortunately I'm addicted to our industry and, uh, I just can't quit. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I opened, I think it was about 17 years ago, opened up a 2000 square foot training only facility, ran that owned and operated that, uh, very successful place. Then, uh, the club that you see on the screen right now, uh, owned and operated that full service club for uh, almost 10 years and uh, did a great job. We were experience focused. It, it was an awesome experience and then moved into the strictly speaking and consulting space, which I've enjoyed. Uh, it's been great to get to know a lot of great operators and learn a lot of things, a lot of different points of view. Um, but as I said, I'm addicted. And uh, prior to COVID, we were exploring uh, a concept that we felt like we could scale a, a traditional brick and mortar concept and then COVID hit. So we realized, um, yeah, and I used to teach group exercise. Wow, look how young. Um, but uh, look at so that high kick. <laughs> I, know, right? I was probably sore for three days and pulled my hamstring. Um, but we, uh, so we, we, we ran that. Uh, so, oh, sorry. So we were looking at this brick and mortar concept, which we're still very interested in after we see how things shake out and what really is the new normal of our industry. Um, but just like Al was saying with the virtual space, which I believe is going to continue to grow. And for every reason Al said, it's, it's just an incredible opportunity. Uh, overall, we, we really see opportunity in the outdoor space as well. And uh, I'm not talking about just, hey, meet me in the park, let's train, but actually building out a brand uh, that's very systematic, community-oriented uh, and structured and starting to place those type of facilities outside. So that's sort of the uh, current project that we're working on and, and hoping to... to kind of come up with something in the, in the next month or so to really take advantage of it. And, you know, for the market, it's a good time too, like, like uh, virtual as well. Uh, 
as clubs open, what we're seeing is less capacity. And, you know, some are not allowed to do group X yet. So there's going to be a lot of limitations for a while. I think people are fearful of a second wave of this thing hitting. Um, so if you've established, you know, a great virtual program and virtual will be a part of our outdoor program as well. Um, and a great outdoor program where you can safely social distance everybody, the research shows it's safer to be outside. I just feel like there's a lot of opportunity. So focusing on outdoors and virtual right now, I think is, is going to be key. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I love that right now. Like from my end, what I've been, I've been seeing just a bunch of different creative ways that, that people are, are being able to in, engage and interact with, with their members. And one of my favorite things that I saw recently, I forget if, uh, which uh, Facebook channel it was on, but there was, uh, there was this open, open park and it looked like a, an operator just took all of his, his equipment that he had inside the dumbbells, the kettlebells, all of the all of the things that you would get within the facility, but put it outside, and I yeah I I, I loved it. It was such a cool concept, and I was thinking to myself personally, I would want to do that all the time. It is super cool. Yeah, I think it's great, and and because that's some of the only options right now. And the same thing with virtual. I think if you would have said pre-COVID, uh, if Al said, "Hey Chris, let me train you via Zoom," I'd have been like, "Dude, that's weird." That's really weird. Or like a small group X class. <laughs> and now it's normal. I mean, I'm sure you guys have, have had virtual happy hours prior to this. Mm -hmm. I, I think people would think you had a problem if you were watching someone on your computer and drinking with them. Right. But now it's what we do, you know, every Thursday or whatever. So I think that the upside is COVID made virtual training totally acceptable and normal. Um, I think uh, like uh, I thought your referral advice, Al, was spot on, by the way, that, that I never even kind of looked at it from that lens. And that's that's really, really great. Um, but I think regardless of clubs being open again, when people travel or they can't make the schedule, they're still engaged with you. So you keep a consistent level of engagement with these people. And I also think that that virtual and outdoors doesn't, you know, when you walk into a gym, it can be intimidating, right? That's why like in the States, uh, Ursa data shows that 18 to 21% of the people belong to clubs and the rest don't. So giving them virtual where maybe like, you know, they, you've heard people say, I'm not a gym person, right? But everyone would agree that they should be healthy. So yeah, you're not a gym person. Great. Let me, let me put you in this little zoom group where even if you felt so self-conscious, you could turn the video off. It's just such a great thing. And, and, and truth be told, I think it's going to be a gateway drug. So people that are intimidated with clubs do it via zoom or, you know, Facebook live or whatever they use. And they're like, you know what? I'm starting to like this. I feel more confident. I've lost a little weight. I think I want to go try this for real. So now I'm, I'm going to actually go into the club and do it. So I just think, you know, it actually ties back to what Al said. Don't think about what you can't think about what you can. And we're, you know, this whole situation, I think most people would agree sucks. However, it's prompted this new era of outdoor and virtual. And I think that's going to be the wave of the future. You know, Chris, um, it's so funny when you talked about uh, people who travel. I have three people traveling this week. Their personal training schedule is exactly the same. Isn't that great? <laughs> Amazing. Two months ago, it would have been, all right, Here's a program for you to do while you travel and I'll see you when you get back. So you think about how that helps the business. When you have an established clientele and let's just look at it for what it is. At some point when people are loyal to you and you take care of them, it becomes residual income, right? So if they have a 12 workout package, if they're on vacation for two weeks and they're working out three days a week, it takes you two extra weeks to go through those six workouts, right? Yep. So that's two extra weeks where you're not getting that residual income. But now when you have the virtual component, 
I actually had someone ask me, can we just keep our schedule and I'll let you know what equipment is in the gym? Absolutely. Because he's, in, he's never trained with me in person. <laughs> I signed him up as a personal training client online. We've never met in person once. And he's so dedicated, he asked me if he could keep his schedule the same. But it just changes our business. It would have taken me two extra weeks while he was at the beach house or wherever he's gone, you know what I mean, to recoup that income. Now, it keeps rolling. And that's the expectation you set from the very beginning is no matter where you are, you can be consistent. You can get results. So it's changed how we do business. Yeah, I was looking at the comments here and kind of piggybacking up on what you were saying, Chris, is like it being a, a, a way, uh, an easy way in. A comment here from Mari Lewis, she's saying that, saying that her grandma's joined the gym after 89 years because of COVID. And so she's using Zoom and that in order to get her, her social time and has, uh, has the ability in order to join uh, group classes and that in order to, uh, to, to get active from the comfort of her home. <laughs> and Kaylin, for the, for, the, for the operators on here too, I don't want you to take this away as brick and mortar is dead because it's not. You know, people cannot wait for that social interaction. It's a basic physiological need. But what this is going to allow you to do is stay engaged 24-7. It's going to allow you to um, give people more options. It's going to be the gateway drug to get more people in your facility. So I just want to make sure the message is not brick and mortar is dead. It's not. It's going to take a while to get back to where it was, but people will always want that. But if you stay diligent and you stay focused on these other opportunities, it's just going to make your business 10 times as good. Awesome. And then a question that came through, guys. This one's for, for, for both of the panelists, so feel free and jump in, whoever, uh, whoever's on here. And it's kind of piggybacking, actually, off of the comment uh, that Marilu shared. This one's a, a question about concerns for seniors. So uh, some of them are fit and very active, but others are more vulnerable. So the question is, do you guys have any concerns? And then also, um, what would be a good, uh, uh, a good way in order to be able to, uh, how are you addressing this within your business or advising people to uh, address this within their business? I think the concern is the same as the one for the general public. They're more susceptible to uh, contracting COVID-19. So if they're willing to come to the gym one-on-one, -on -one, then have a space where they can train, whether it's a group room, a small, personal training room. The last gym I had, we had one room that was for private training. So you could train one client by themselves who maybe didn't feel comfortable being in the gym area. So you may have to restructure how you do things. Um, if not, it's a little bit tough to, online training is good, but in a lot of cases they need specific help with form and they get better uh, results when you're with them, especially if they've never really worked out before, it's hard for them to get up. You know, I've trained people, heck, that are even 58 who can barely get up off the floor. So they get better results when you're with them, but carve out a space where you can train them one-on-one -on -one by themselves. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I also, uh, you know, in stealing from other industries, I know that a lot of grocery stores and other retail shops have senior-only hours. So uh, my mom, for example, who is, is close to 80, um, you know, you always call on your parents and check on them. I'm like, you being smart mom. And she's like, yes. Uh, and then she said, are you? And I said, debatable. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, she's like, no, I get up and I go early when only seniors are allowed in, you know, in the grocery store from 7am till 8am. So in addition to, I, I like the idea of creating spaces just for them. Um, also creating hours just for them. And then of course you're doing all your, 
proper cleaning protocols. Um, I think one thing that's important is communicating and, and some clubs have called it like a member agreement or a member oath because you're going to do all this stuff as a facility, but you have to make sure that your members are doing things as well. So members might trust that you're doing the right thing, but they're worried about, I mean, especially because everything is so polarizing right now. You know, you have, have to be like, I'll never wear a mask. It doesn't matter. And other people is like, I'm going to wear a mask for the rest of my life. Or, you know, all of a sudden an article comes out and says, it doesn't spread that easily through touch, but it does through droplet. So people are so confused and, and the information is really, you know, it really is polarizing at this point. So they may trust everything you're doing, but they're worried about what the other person in, in the group is going to be doing. So, you know, whether it's a formal member oath, whether it's a sign that says our, our expectations of members are, you know, wiping pre and post lift any equipment you use, uh, whether they're wearing masks or not, um, hand sanitizing, uh, staying six feet away from other members and, um, you know, those things like that, but you, you have to set those expectations with your members and, and you have to enforce them as well. Uh, I heard somebody, we were talking about in this era where people are nervous, if, if, if a member sees another member violating any of those, you know, COVID related policies, uh, I can't remember who it was on a webinar, but they said, it's like watching a police officer see a crime happen and not do anything about it. That's going to be the feedback, mm. right? So training your staff to make sure that here's what our expectations are. Here's why we have them. And you have to make sure that you're enforcing these sort of policies at all times so that members trust you as the house and then also feel more comfortable with other members. You know, one of the, one of the things that uh, is a chat that came through as well. Um, and it was about, you know, winning other, other members from, from uh, comp competition. And I, I, I want to kind of relate this back to the, to the question that we, we first started out with. So uh, so the chats where we were asking about, you know, what are the things that you learned? What are the, the, the most surprising things and, and, and what are, uh, your tips and all of that for, for others. And one of the, one of the things that I, I, I read in one, um, was, was that for them, it was so surprising when they had a bad, a member from another organ, uh, another gym come in who didn't have the same standards. Uh, of their facility didn't have the same cleaning standards weren't re-racking in that as well and it was creating a bit of a like of a hostile environment for the other other people who were there and um and so that was kind of the thing that i i saw i, I really took away and i was kind of juggling it against uh and why i posed the question to you guys earlier which was focus on on selling memberships focus on on retention what should be the what should be the balance within there? And that was kind of one of the source of inspiration. But I'm, I'm curious about, you know, uh, how do you guys feel specifically about member, member growth in the facility during the time where you're trying to create a safe environment? One of the things that Chris said is just from the industry, you're getting 30% of your current members back. So you want to grow your membership. You can still market and maintain with setting those rules and enforcing them. I think it's totally different to put signs up and you know post what the rules are, but you have to be diligent about reinforcing them. Someone sees that you're not reinforcing them, then it's a ripple effect. Now you've got, instead of that one person being uncomfortable that you're saying, this is our policy, this is what we need you to do. If for any reason, if that's an issue, then we would you know, ask you to leave. You want to have one person uncomfortable in this scenario who's probably not a diligent, dedicated member, family member, right? Or do you want the rest of your members to be uncomfortable, right? Mm -hmm. Be about reinforcing 
your expectations. Send it out to all your members. Keep a focus on it. Maintain your cleaning schedule. If you say you're cleaning every day at this time, do it every day at that time, right? Because someone is looking for you to not do it. And people have a tendency to talk about the things that aren't going well, right? So keep to your schedule, reinforce it, and create that positive experience. That no exception. Yeah, Al, that's really, really smart because in an era where trust is probably the most com important component of your brand right now, if you say you're going to do something and you don't do it, that is the number one way to blow that trust. That's a really, really good observation. And, and like I said, you know, yes, you want signage and yes, you've got to send the emails with all the things that your expectations are, but what's most important is actually doing it and getting the job done. And I'll, I'll throw a link in the chat, but I, I did an interview, it was a week ago on policy enforcement and, and staff hates enforcing policy in general because it's miserable. Like they got to go tell somebody you can't do it. So what I always recommend is six steps and, and you got to role play and train your staff to, to be prepared to do this. But first tell your staff, and it might sound simple, but go up and introduce yourself and your role. What that does is it builds a little rapport and lets them know you're an authority figure. So as opposed to going up to somebody going, Hey, you need to wipe that. Right. You say, Hey, I'm Chris. I work the uh, welcome desk up front. What was your name? Oh, John, super nice to meet you. Then you let them off the hook. So you always coach your team to say, I'm sure you weren't aware, or I'm sure you had no idea, but, by the way, they generally know, and they're just trying to get away with something, but it, it makes it less confrontational, right? You're not accusing them. You're saying, hey, I'm sure you had no idea. Then explain the policy. But we do require that the minute you're done with your exercise, you, you wipe everything down. And then you say, why? Right? Because what is just a policy is a policy. But when you say there's a why behind it, because it's for the safety of yourself, as well as all of the other members here who might be susceptible to COVID. So one thing, by the way, from a psychology standpoint is people tend to behave better when they think they're hurting somebody else. Hmm. So they might be willing to risk their own health and be like, I need to wait. I don't care. I'm not worried. But when you're like, but you might be hurting that other person or you might be interfering with hmm. their experience, they're more sensitive to that. Then you want to give alternatives now, and this is policy enforcement in general. With COVID, there might not be alternatives, but what you could say is, and to make the, give them more instruction. So that's why we have sanitation stuff here, towels here, disinfectants here. And then at the end, you say, thank you so much. We really appreciate that. And if you train your staff to do that, it makes telling somebody they can't do something a much better experience. And then to Al's point, if they still don't comply, you don't need them. Granted, they're, they're going to cause problems in other ways at some point. They're going to be bad for your brand. Other members are going to talk about it. So um, make sure those policies are enforced. That's a good structure. And I'll, I'll set a link in there with a, a little short video on, on taking you through those six steps for anybody who's interested. Yeah. Uh, align with that, Chris and Al, interested because... Uh, we talked about marketing and how that was a, a big aspect. So letting people know, remove the barriers of entry. So if you are cleaning or you have some kind of cleaning plan, obviously make sure you're following through with it. But others that we've spoken with as well have even mentioned that they're kind of using this as part of their marketing strategy to even proactively show the world <laughs> that they're doing it as well, almost promoting their cleaning uh, by doing marketing related to that, et cetera showing what they're doing. And I think, Chris, that would kind of align back into the emails or some kind of marketing sequence that you had talked about earlier, where maybe you use some of these as a bit of the, the intro level to show them the, the different things you're doing within the facility before you go for, obviously, something like a, like a close, et cetera. Yeah, and Cleanly, I mean, Cleanly's always been a differentiator, but now it's more so than ever. And now you can't just say we're Cleanly. You, you actually have to back it up. And I think, I don't think you need to get ultra specific with everything, but a high level view of how you're addressing social distancing and how you're addressing disinfecting and how you're addressing member behavior. You know, that high level view is important to cooperate because people just want to have peace of mind and feel safe right now. 
Awesome, guys. So we are essentially almost at, uh, at one. Um, but what we've been doing is we've been staying, staying on for another, another 15 minutes. And so this is another way that you guys are able to engage with us. So there's questions that you guys have sent, sent through. I know we haven't had a chance to get to them. We're going to get to those as well right now. And then uh, additionally, this is a time where there's a little feature where you can raise your hand. So I'm not sure if you guys see it there. If you guys would like to raise your hand within here and then ask a question to our, our panelists, that's also possible to do. Um, so go ahead and click on that. And then what we will do is unmute you so that this way you can uh, speak uh, on our side with us. Sweet. So with that being said, a couple questions that, that came through, through guys is uh, this one here from an anonymous attendee. Do you have any new health protocols? Uh, we're a dance studio based in New York City and was wondering if you guys have any tips on when we reopen. Well, if you're in New York, I think uh, you said New York, correct? Yep. It's from New York. I, I, New York, I think, is one of those states that's going to probably offer some specific guidelines. I mean, there have been some states that offer no guidelines and you have to just use your best judgment. Uh, so the first thing I would look in is, you know, federal, or I'm sorry, state and local guidelines that are provided for you and make sure that you're following those to a T. And then, um, you know, the, then the areas you, you have to address is, is the disinfecting, you know, the, the increased cleaning protocols, what you're doing as far as social distancing goes. And then the third piece is, is your customer, your member behavior. And those are the areas that you want to look at. What are your expectations from your members? What have you done to make things distance appropriate? And then, um, you know, what, what are you doing specifically to clean in between classes? Are you, you know, maybe you're shortening your classes a little bit to add cleaning time in between. Uh, just those type of things. So I would just make three columns with those three topics, brainstorm, Google, steal from what other people have done. There's a lot of great information uh, being shared out there. I know Ursa created the Ursa forum where you can go in, you can go in for free. There's no cost to it. And you can go in there and it's a bunch of people asking questions and answering questions. Uh, but that, that would be my advice in that, in that era er, area. And I think one, one other thing uh, that we uh, learned in our, in our last webinar as well was that from the facilities that we saw reopening in, in Europe, one of, the main, uh, the, one of the main areas that they saw got the most attention was actually the weight section. So uh, that was because, you know, people have been getting their, their fix of, you know, cardio and classes via Zoom. But one of the areas that was a little bit underserved because people don't easily have weights and that at home uh, is, you know, getting access to those. So that was one area that surprised some of the operators uh, on, in the Europe and they had to put a little bit more attention on the cleaning side of things there. And then another uh, question here that came through from, from Ashley is, any thoughts on how to do group classes with restrictions? So we've got, a, we've got a small dance studio, probably can only fit eight to 10 people with true social distancing inside. So concerned about whether or not to require masks, spacing, et cetera. Well, I can say in Ohio, uh, the guidelines, it wasn't something that was mandatory, but the guidelines were to make sure that people were uh, six feet apart. And of course, depending on the size of your studio or your group room, that could change some things. But one of the things that you can do is use the app. And I have to say it this way. It's first come, first serve. I have six spots. It creates demand, right? And the app also allows you to have a waiting list. So if someone can't make it, that other person is right on the waiting list. Not only that, they've got a laptop. They can join that workout even if they're at home. So I know our mind has been on physical space, 
-hmm. but keep I would say remember that you also have that online component where you might have six people in the classroom and 12 people viewing online from a laptop with Bluetooth headphones that can do the same workout or something similar with modifications from home. And that's the other thing I will mention. If you have a workout, make sure that you're showing those modifications. If someone has a kettlebell or I've got a guy that does rolls with a three gallon water jug, right? You work with what you have, but show the modifications and encourage people to, mm -hmm. this is my space. This is what I have. And people will appreciate you keeping them safe and giving them another option. And this is actually, Al, uh, as an operator, is a question for you. Would you ever consider limiting the amount of group classes that somebody could take to ensure that all members could get it if you do have to limit attendance? Like, you know, we, you always have those gym people who are like, I take the eight o'clock, nine o'clock and 10 o'clock and I stay for three hours and I overtrain, but I love it. But would you ever say, hey, you're permitted to one class a day? Would you think that's reasonable or no? I'm curious. I don't really have a thought on it. So I'm just curious. No. At this point, I wouldn't because you just want as much engagement as possible. Right. Um, I would let them take as many as they want, <laughs> you know, and but bring someone with them, right? Yeah. If this person is in every single class, don't come alone because that's your ambassador. That's your spokesperson right there. He loves it all. So this person should be bringing someone every single time for you to talk to, membership, training, whatever it is. Excellent. I see, I see some other questions here too. I see a lot of people are asking for like specific legislation. I would say without knowing the specifics of, of where you're located, et cetera, you know, per kind of what Al and Chris were saying earlier, make sure you're looking at uh, basically the, the state level as well as potentially county levels just to make sure you're uh, abiding by the rules. But one other question for you, Chris, and I think it's in line with what you had mentioned earlier when you're talking about the physiological aspects so someone asked, why would I go from working out at home to go back into a fitness center? So I well, here's the thing. Some people won't, to be honest with you. I mean, some people have bought some equipment, put in their house. They love the virtual and that, that's great for them. They love the convenience. Um, so some just won't. But I do think that just in general, people are social. And what you've seen, uh, now this may not be responsible, but as soon as stuff starts to open a little bit, like you saw over the weekend, Lake Ozark, was packed. I mean, people have an inherent need to spend time with other people. And uh, while virtual is a great supplement and a great, uh, you know, a way you can do it in a, in, a, in a different medium, I still, at the end of the day, truly believe that people want to be around other people. They want to be safe, but they, they want to be around other people. So your goal as a facility is going to be to find even more ways to engage them independent of fitness. And I think that's, that's going to be a trend. I'll call it diversified member engagement, where they do some virtual with you, but maybe they're also part of a run club that you put together. You have social events that they enjoy. You, you, you host charity events. So any way that you could get them involved, make your gym a place that they go, not just for exercise because they can get that exercise elsewhere. So I think you really got to figure out how do you make it a super safe, welcoming place that people just have to go to because they're greeted so well and they have these great conversations or they get to do a charity or a social event and those, those sorts of things. I, th I think that, that's what, where it's going to head. Alrighty. I'm just looking through well, these. Caitlin, I know there's one question that you that came up and it's come up a few times. That was about pricing for online services. Mm -hmm. I can talk about that a little bit because I know it's the thing that's been on a lot of people's mind. Um, Definitely. So I've been asked a few times, and actually one of my trainers asked me the question. So which charge for online personal training? 
one of his clients was asking him, like, what's the difference in the price? So, you know, my question is, well, who's asking? <laughs> right? And he tells me, it's someone who's been with me. I said, okay, so if it's someone who's been with you, then actually they've already agreed to the price, right? So what are they really asking you about? What's their real concern? And the concern is value, right? It wasn't necessarily the price. If you have a current member or a current personal training client that has been paying you, they don't have an issue with the price. They're concerned about the value you're going to provide with online training. So as an operator or a personal trainer, your goal is to make sure that you provide the same value because here's the reality. You actually have to work harder to provide them that value now, right? Let's just tell them what it is. You went from having a complete gym for them to use to now having a kettlebell, two sets of bands and a mat, maybe a stability ball, right? Because equipment is hard to find. So now you have to find ways to get them the same results or better with less equipment, right? So you have to be more creative in your thinking, right? Your program design. Not to mention that your knowledge is not devalued because they're on the other side of the screen. You're still just as knowledgeable. You're still the expert. So we haven't reduced any of our prices for personal training, for group classes. We haven't done it because our goal has been how do we provide a great experience? How do we eliminate the concerns? How do we get with the people who aren't very tech savvy, right? And get, make it easy for them to join so they continue to go and tell someone else about it. So focus on your value, not the price. We have to work twice as hard to get them where they want to be. So don't reduce your prices. Keep providing value. I, I couldn't agree more with you, Al. And I think prior to COVID, if somebody thought about doing virtual training, they for whatever reason, I feel like the instinct would be like, well, I'm going to make it cheaper because it's only virtual. It's not the real experience. But as you said, you got to work even harder to get the job done. You got to be more creative and put more time into, you know, creating these programs and workouts. And so COVID kind of made it the new normal. I agree with you. I wouldn't change pricing whatsoever. And then post COVID when we're all reopened, I, I would foresee charging for it as an additional service. So, you know, you could join Rip City as a member or you could do Rip City Plus that includes virtual or Simple do, simply do Rip City Virtual if that's all you want. So it gives you, you know, another ancillary service that you can charge for. Absolutely does. It really does. Righty. Derek, um, from your end, have you seen any other, other questions in the, in the chat that maybe we didn't have a chance in order to, to address as well? No, I think that was the, the majority of it. Um, a lot of the, the chat that was going on is, thankfully, I know several people, I believe, Allison, I believe, um, Marissa as well, were just kind of, uh, they kept going on. They were sharing some of the strategies and, and tips um, kind of throughout. I know we kind of asked that to the attendees at the beginning, uh, but they were certainly adding uh, stuff throughout. And maybe just, you know, some things to add, some surprises that, you know, kind of seeing that the, the sales numbers are up. They found that to be uh, quite surprising, especially because it was double for them, uh, which obviously is, is great news. Uh, we also see some, some other aspects such as tips regarding uh, wearing masks. Even if it's not required, it's kind of removing the barrier to entry, just making the, the users feel more comfortable. So that's kind of a tip that was recommended as well. And I believe, Kaylin, I forget who it was, but on a previous webinar, we also had someone um, who was talking about having these masks, but also kind of branding them to the organization potentially, as well as making them a little bit less medically looking, uh, more aesthetic, so to speak. And I know that was one of the things they had 
mentioned um, as well. So no specific open questions um, at this moment, but definitely had some good dialogue in, in the chat. Oh, that's great. Awesome. Yeah, thanks so much for sharing. Well, in that case, uh, that's essentially what we have for the program today. I uh, want to say thank you guys uh, for joining us. And again, th thanks thanks so much, Chris and Al, for, for taking the time in order to, to sit down with us today, share your experience, uh, experiences and recommendations. I know you guys are both uh, very open to being uh, reached out to by, um, uh, by people who are, are joining today. Um, so yeah, what's the, what's the best way people can reach you if they, if they wanted to follow up and make the connection? Wait, Chris. <laughs> oh, uh, so I, I'm typing it in the chat. I typed it earlier, but I'll put my email address there. Obviously you can find me on all the social channels with my name, Chris Stevenson. And then my email is here and I'm sincerely happy to help. If anybody has additional questions, uh, you know, it's a tough time. And I think one neat thing is this is the first time in our industry that competitors are working together, right? Um, I, I heard somebody, a big chain talk about, I can't believe I'm sitting across the table from my fiercest competitors and we're trying to get through this together. So I think right now reaching out to each other for support, sharing best practices, uh, is going to be huge. So just don't hesitate. If you got a question for myself or Al or anybody on this call, uh, reach out. Same here. My email's in the chat. You know, this is one of those moments where it's important for all of us to survive in the business and so many people out there who need help. Like when you think about COVID-19 and who it's impacting, it's the people who have compromised immune systems. So it's almost our charge as fitness professionals to help as many people as we can. So again, perspective, how many people out there can we help? And it's perfect for us to work together to make sure that we do that. And then um, we did um, got, a, got a, somebody who raised their hand as well, Elixir Executive Exercise Studio. You guys have time for one more question if we let them jump in on audio? Sure. And thank you for, for the webinar again. Uh, this is Alexis from Greece. I'm, I'm, I'm a client of Virtual Gym uh, almost two, two years now. I just wanted to, uh, to ask uh, a question here. In Greece, we are still closed and we are programmed to be reopened at uh, 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 late June. This is a, a big issue for us. I just wanted to, to ask uh, all of you uh, how many meters per person uh, they, they gave you the, the, the guidelines were for you. They, they stayed at the six feet apart or they, they gave you uh, some specific meters Per person. For us, it's been six feet. That's been the, the standard. Sorry? It's been a distance of six feet between whether we've been at the grocery store or reopening the gym. It's recommended that we keep people six feet apart. Okay. And the other thing we've we, just we've also seen based on square footage, some, some of the states are putting out guidelines that say you can have a certain amount of people, you know, per square, you know, square foot based on the size of your facility. So it's just a matter of looking at your, your local government and what they're advising. Okay. okay. Because here they, they're, they're planning to reopen us at 25 square feet. Thank you, Caitlin. You're welcome. Yeah, you're very welcome. And th thanks so much for jumping on again. Um, yeah, I think, um, 
I think one of the interesting things that we're seeing across uh, with some of our customers in Europe is in the Netherlands, they, they have, I think, a date set in September when they're able to reopen. And it was very uh, end of August in, uh, in Ireland when I was speaking to somebody from, from Ireland. I feel like um, one of the interesting things, things there is that in a way they're almost in a situation where mindset is like, well, what happens if we have a second wave? Uh, in the United States where, yeah, this is extended operations that are being shut down for a long time. And so uh, it's very interesting to see the, see the differences in terms, not just uh, the way that each state is addressing it, but also every country is addressing it. All righty, guys. Well, thanks again uh, for everybody for, for joining. Um, really appreciate it. Uh, and thanks again, Chris, uh, Chris and Al. This was, this was great. We really appreciate it. All righty, guys. Great to have you guys. You're welcome, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions, feedback, or would like to hear more about Virtual Gym, please contact us at webinars at virtualgym.com, and we look forward to you joining us on the next podcast. Some call it insight. Others call it vision. At Pershing, we call it perspective, a perspective you'll benefit from from a custodian you can rely on, one who can help navigate the big picture, and whose products give you a competitive edge, one who considers everything, what will help you succeed today and tomorrow. Open yourself to a new perspective and open the possibilities. Consider everything. BNY Mellon Pershing. Learn more at pershing.com slash go independent. Pershing Advisor Solutions, LLC, member FINRA SIPC. Some call it insight, others call it vision. At Pershing, we call it perspective a perspective you'll benefit from, from a custodian you can rely on, one who can help navigate the big picture, and whose products give you a competitive edge, one who considers everything, what will help you succeed today and tomorrow. Open yourself to a new perspective and open the possibilities. Consider everything. BNY Mellon Pershing. Learn more at pershing.com RIA. Pershing Advisor Solutions, LLC. Member FINRA SIPC.